Our scripture reading uh, this morning is taken from a lot of different places. So I'm going to encourage you to follow along um, in the bulletin. You see several of these texts printed. And I'm actually not going to read these all at once, but I'll read them a little bit as we go along. Um, we normally work through books of the Bible here, and we'll get back to that soon, but we're, we're doing a little series on discipleship, so we're kind of taking some selected text uh, these few weeks we've been looking at this. So if I were to ask you this morning, how do you make scrambled eggs? How are scrambled eggs made? You, most all of you would know how that works. Uh, Ryan Clary has a little different method of making than you can ask him about. But, but most, of all, kind of, most of us would kind of know how that works, what the process is. If I were to ask you, how are hot dogs made? You would say, I don't really want to know. Uh, I, I, I don't want to think about that. Let, let, let's don't go there. If I were to ask you, how are BMWs made? You would say, well, just drive the Greer and they'll show you the process of how BMWs are made. If I were to ask you, how are national championship football teams made? You'd say, well, go find this certain team, and there's a process I've heard, and it seems to work pretty well. You can go talk to them about how that happens. But what if I were to ask you, how's a soldier made? How's a soldier made? Or a musician? Or a leader? Or a president? Uh, That process is a little more involved, I think. Uh, I, I might argue that it's more complicated than just following the steps on a flow chart or a list of to-do steps. Uh, the question I want to ask and I want us to think about this morning as we're talking about the subject of discipleship is, how are disciples made? How are mature followers of, of Jesus Christ made? Jesus tells his church in the Great Commission to go and make disciples. So our assignment as a church in Spartanburg, South Carolina, is to go and make disciples in Spartanburg. How do we do that? Uh, What does that look like? That's what we're going to think about this morning. And I'm going to suggest four ways, and I'm drawing on these from a book called The Vine Project. Our uh, strategic planning team has been working through. But the four ways are this proclamation, prayer, people, and perseverance. Proclamation, prayer, people, and perseverance. So let me pray for us, and then we'll start looking at some of these texts and thinking about this. Let me pray. Uh, Father, this is your word that we're about to read, and so I pray that we would treat it with reverence, uh, that we would treat it with hope, that we would look at it expectantly. Uh, Father, we pray that you would work through your word and through the explanation and proclamation of your word this morning. Holy Spirit, that, that you would be with us and that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our minds to understand and to grasp and to believe these things that we read in your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So first of all, I want to talk about proclamation. Uh, Look in your bulletin. The first text is taken from Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then from Romans chapter 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You know, that's the only verse in the Bible I think is probably not true. But um, 
You'd have to have seen my feet to understand that. Sorry, sorry. Second uh, Timothy, some of you are just now getting it. Second Timothy 3. Uh, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Uh, So, proclamation. Jesus, in Matthew 28, tells his disciples to go and make more disciples, baptizing them and teaching them everything that I've commanded you. Uh, In Luke chapter 24, which we didn't read, Jesus tells his disciples that repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Uh, Romans 10, which we just looked at. Paul tells us that the only only way people will believe in Jesus is if they hear about Jesus. And the only way people will hear about Jesus is if someone goes and proclaims the gospel to them. The 2 Timothy passage. Paul tells us that the scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. And so, disciples are made... People are rescued, they have their sins forgiven, they're brought into, the, uh, into a relationship with God, and they grow in a relationship with God through the proclamation of the Word of God. In other words, to become a follower of Jesus, you have to hear this message about Jesus that is contained in the Bible. To grow as a follower of Jesus, you have to hear the proclamation of this Word about Jesus that is found in the Bible. So, some, some application from that. Uh, If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a message to proclaim to the people around you. Uh, Keith Groover likes to joke that he was one of the first Aldi evangelists. Um, He was telling everybody he could about the glories of Aldi. I I like to to joke that I'm a YNAB evangelist, and if you don't know what that is, it stands for you need a budget. And it's this, this program on your computer and an app for your phone. And, and if, if anybody is, tells me they're having budgetary issues, I say, you need to get hooked up with YNAB. You need to try it. Why? Because I've used it and found it helpful. I've invited YNAB into my heart. And it's, 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 it's changed the way we do money. And I, and I think it would be helpful to you as well. And so there are people who need to hear about Aldi. Uh, there are people who need to hear about YNAB. Do we really believe that there are people who need to hear about Jesus? Do we really believe that that family members and friends and and co-workers need to hear about Jesus? And if we believe that, why is it that it's so easy for us to proclaim Aldi or YNAB, our favorite football team, but then we're reticent when it comes to proclaiming Jesus? And I I just encourage you to, 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 to think about that. Uh, and to ask yourself, am I proclaiming this message? Am I looking for opportunities to proclaim this message, this good news about Jesus? Uh, secondly, God hasn't left us on our own here. He, he's giving us a, a tool by which we can proclaim this message in the scriptures. He's given us words which are powerful words. They're living and active in the words of Hebrews. He's given us these words in, his, in this book we call the Bible. Uh, The prophet Jeremiah talks about eating 
the Word of God even because it is such a powerful thing that he's got to, to get this in him. He's got to ingest it so that he can speak this Word out to others. God has, has given us these words, these powerful words that talk about how we can become followers of Jesus Christ. They talk about how we can grow in faith as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's given us these words that we can present to others that bring them to faith, have the power to bring them to faith in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you just find somebody that's not a Christian and say, sit real still, and I'm going to read this to you, and then, you know, magically they become believers. But in your words, in my words, in our words, and in our lives, we want to try to communicate the message of the Scriptures to other people. And so the questions we have to ask ourselves then, if we're going to do that, are we actually equipped to do that? Are we, are we competent doing that? Do we, we feel comfortable using the words of Scripture to reach and to equip and to make disciples? Are you making the effort to become equipped, to become skilled in handling this tool that God has given us? Uh, think about a soldier. He's been given a weapon, but then he never learns how to use it. And he heads off into battle. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And so if we're going to use this word of God to make disciples, we've got to be equipped to use it. Uh, And and look, think about it this way. Uh, Every one of us who claims the name of Jesus, who who says, yeah, I, I believe this about Jesus and I'm a follower of Jesus, we are by default then involved in personal ministry to other people. Uh, you might even say we're all involved in counseling on some level. Now, I know there are, there are plenty of things that are above our pay grades, so to speak. That there are plenty of times where you kind of have to say, let me, let me connect you to somebody who knows a little more about this than I do. But anytime you and I open our mouths to start to give advice, our counsel, our encouragement, our correction to another person, we're involved in discipleship. We're involved in counseling at that moment. We're involved in personal ministry. We're involved in spiritual formation. Whatever word you want to put in that, we're involved in it that, that, at that moment. And so we want our words of counsel to be shaped by God's word. We want our words to be shaped by God's word. Uh, thirdly, we need to make sure we're hearing this message ourselves. We need to make sure we're getting this message of the Bible into us. You know, what if, what if Keith said, you've got to go to Aldi, you've got to go to Aldi, you got to go to Aldi, and then every time I went into Bilo, Keith Greer was in Bilo, all right? I was like, oh, like wait a minute, like, this, something about this doesn't seem right. And what if I told you, White Ab is the greatest thing ever, then you found out that your preacher is $200,000 in debt because he, he, he doesn't even have a budget. You're like, well, wait, what is this, what is this YNAB thing you keep telling me about? If, if we're going to proclaim the message of the gospel in word and in deed, we've got to be being shaped by the message of the gospel ourselves. We have to do what I was saying earlier about Jeremiah. We have to eat this word. We have to digest this word and get it into us. Now, how do we do that? What does that look like? It looks like what you're doing right now. It looks like Sunday after Sunday sitting under the proclamation of God's word and praying that God would use that. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing to me sometimes, and I had this experience a few weeks ago, the way God, I think we're always looking for like that great, best sermon ever that's going to change my life. 
And it's, it's amazing to me sometimes how what I think is like the worst sermon ever, somebody will come up and say, man, I, I really needed to hear that today, and God really used that. Uh, and so I think we, we come expectantly that God's going to work through the proclamation of His Word and praying that He would. And realizing that a lot of what happens with preaching is like there's this steady drip, and maybe that's not the best analogy because you like it. Anyway, um, but it, it's kind of cumulative, that it, that it builds up over time. As I sit under the Word, I'm slowly changed by the Word and affected by it and shaped by it over the course of time. Uh, the other thing we have to make sure we're doing is we're coming together corporately, but we also come to God as individuals personally taking up the Word of God and reading it. There's a lot of ways to do that. I always tell people, you know, there are times when you need a broad overview. And reading through the Bible in the year might be helpful for that. But there's times where that just becomes a, a guilt trip for people. Uh, and so maybe that's not the best thing for you to do. There are times when you need more into, a more intimate look into the Word of God. And so you take something devotionally and you read through that. And you meditate on that and you pray through that. And Martin Luther and Tim Keller both have little helpful guides to doing that. As using your scripture reading as, actual, as an actual springboard to prayer. And so we learn to, to meditate and pray through what we're reading uh, in the Bible. You can use what the notes that you take on Sunday morning or even the passages that we read on Sunday morning and come back throughout the, the week and just read through these scriptures again. Right? You don't have to, to read. It's not required that you read something new every day. Right? Come back and read through these and meditate on these. And, and try to think about what was said on Sunday and how you might pray that into your lives. Instead of this being like your 30-minute television show for the week, okay? I, I had my, you know, I had whatever. I watched The Walking Dead for an hour, and then I listened to Justin for 30 minutes, and, then, and we just go on, and we kind of leave it behind until the next episode. To actually come back to this, as it were, and, and watch it again. Uh, read through the scriptures and, and think about these things again. Uh, when we're not in the Word, uh, it's kind of like we're skipping meals spiritually. And that may not seem like it affects you that much at first, but that affects you over time. It has an accumulative effect and we become spiritually unhealthy. And I think it's easy to neglect this, and I, we mentioned this last week, because there's no like real dopamine hit when you open the Bible and read it. Right? It's not like checking the stocks or checking the scores or checking Facebook. We don't have that instant gratification and so I, I think we need to be wise about that and also to, to confess that to God and to confess that struggle to Him. Uh, that, Lord, these other things really are more interesting to me than reading the Bible for 15 minutes. And would you, would you help me with that? I, I know that's not how it's supposed to be, but that's where my heart is. And so would you change that and give me a real desire for your Word and to read it and to meditate on it? Uh, other ways, you don't have to do this by yourself all the time. Go to a community group. Get involved in a small group Bible study. But find ways to get the Word of God into your life. Because we have to be changed by this message ourselves. Alright. Proclamation. Disciples are made by proclamation of the Word of God. Secondly, disciples are made by prayer. Now look, look at your scriptures again. This is the fourth one on the page. From Mark chapter 4. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. 
The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And then 1 Corinthians 3, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Colossians 4, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So as we're proclaiming the word of God, as we're proclaiming the word of God, we're like a farmer who's scattering seed. And the word takes root and grows in people's heart because God, by His Spirit, works in and through his word to give that growth Uh, god's spirit works to create openings in people's hearts softenings in people's hearts so that word can be implanted and grow and so we plant and we water but god gives the growth so what should that lead us to do not nothing as you read through the, the acts of the apostles they are praying constantly They are proclaiming the message of God, but they are praying constantly that God would work and cause His Word to be effective. And so, God is sovereign, but He so planned it that the proclamation of His Word is given power, um, it is activated, as it were, by the prayers of His people. That's really interesting to think about. When uh, you're going to get a lot of pool analogies today because I just opened our swimming pool. Um, but when, when I test our pool water for, for chlorine, all right, one of the ways I do this is you take a beaker of water and there's some powder you drop in it. And you drop the powder in it and it reacts and it turns red if there's chlorine in it. Now, if I never put the powder in the water, there's going to be no red color. It's not going to, however that chemical reaction works, there's going to be no activation and it's not going to turn red. It's just going to sit there. It's like God has this beaker full of blessings stored up for us. And what activates those blessings in His plan are the prayers of His people. It's like the powder that makes it turn red and activates the blessings. So our prayers in God's actually serve to activate God's plan, which is unbelievable to think about. When we pray, we bring great blessings to others. Um, Doug Kelly put it this way, we should waste no time in getting down on our knees in prayer in order to release pent-up divine blessings on multitudes in the devil's clutches. When you have people actually praying for the lost, you find the lost being saved. When you have people actually praying for the lost, you find the lost being saved. That should be motivation enough to make us praise God, close this book, and begin praying. Uh, Charles Spurgeon put it this way, It is well said that asking is the rule of the kingdom. God will bless Elijah and send rain on Israel, but Elijah must ask for it. If the chosen nation is to prosper, Samuel must plead for it. If the Jews are to be delivered... Daniel must intercede. God will bless Paul and the nations will be converted through him, but Paul must pray. 
Pray he did without ceasing. His epistles show that he expected, expected nothing except by asking for it. Uh, we've got a strategic planning team working to come up with a strategic plan. A strategic plan without prayer is like a Lamborghini without an engine. Uh, a church without prayer is a social club. A worship service without prayer undergirding it is just an hour of spiritual entertainment. Are you finding ways to pray? That God would work through the proclamation of His Word. Uh, let me encourage you to, to find a couple of other people to, to do that with on a regular basis. Maybe your spouse, maybe it's a good friend. Uh, men, you're welcome to come with us, meet with us on Thursday mornings early at Papa's. We eat and talk and, and pray there. Uh, a prayerless church is a self-dependent church. A praying church is a God-dependent church. Um, I like us, and we've got a lot of really gifted people in this room, but I'd still rather depend on God than depend on us. Uh, prayer is, is us actively depending on God. So proclamation, prayer, and then maybe the obvious one, people. Well, look at the next three passages, 1 Thessalonians 2. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. First Thessalonians 4, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Philippians 3, brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. God uses people to bring the message of the gospel to other people. God uses people to preach and to teach and to counsel and to pray. And every one of us is called to ministry in one form or the other. Um, God, and you may not, you may be like, oh, not me. God, God, yes, God can use you. God used Moses, who was an exiled murderer. And God used Gideon, who was fearful. And God used David, who was a shepherd boy with no military experience, to, to kill Goliath. And God used Peter, who denied Jesus. And God used Paul, who persecuted the church. And so he can use you and me. God is calling every one of us to be intentionally and thoughtfully involved in this process of discipleship. Now, that doesn't mean we're all called to be preachers or elders or Sunday school teachers or to lead a community group. But I know this for sure. He's called you all, called us all to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within us. And he's called all of, of you who are parents. I know for sure he's called you to disciple your children. And, and the reality is you, you're kind of doing that whether you're being thoughtful or not. You are discipling your children. You just may not be thinking about it. So be thoughtful about it because you all know the ways that your parents have shaped you, both in ways you like and in ways you don't like. But there were, there were shaping influences going on. You were shaping your children as well. Be thoughtful about that process. Uh, I think it's important to remember this too, that discipleship is not just the communication of information. There's a lot that's caught uh, and not just taught. If you want to learn about fly fishing, right, 
you, you can go read a book about it, and that's helpful. That'll get you started. But if you really want to know how to fly fish, you go get Philip Swyscoe to take you fly fishing and show you how to do it. Or evidently, Thomas White is pretty good at this too, if that picture on Facebook is to be believed. Um, but, 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 but these are, are people that you can actually go with them and be discipled by them in fly fishing. If Keith really wanted you to go to Aldi, he would offer to go with you to Aldi and teach you how to do the stupid quarter in the shopping cart exchange thing that confuses the new people every time. Like, there's, there's things we do more than just communicating information in order to disciple people. And so we are discipling others with our lives. We need to be thoughtful about that. Uh, we need to be thinking about pointing people to Christ. Uh, we should also want other people to imitate us. Now that's like, ooh, you're like, oh, that, that's, I don't know about that part. But that's what Paul says. He says, imitate me and others, godly examples like me. And, and there's, ten, there's this tendency for us to say, no, 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 don't be like me, be like Jesus. And there is some truth to that statement because we're all fallen. All right, And so we, I don't want you to be exactly like me. I don't want you to imitate my sins. I do want you to be like Jesus. But I am still called to be a godly example. And, and you know, one of, the, one of the things we can actually do that I, I guess Jesus couldn't really do is that we can demonstrate repentance. All right? Because we sin. And so as an example, we get to show others, here's how you handle it when you sin. And here's what faith and repentance looks like when you mess up. And so we ought to be thoughtful about this discipleship process. So what if everybody in this church had an intentional relationship with at least one other person who was more mature spiritually than they were? And a relationship with a couple of people who are about at the same level. And then a relationship with someone who's a little bit not quite as far along spiritually. What if you were realizing, hey, I need to be mentored and I need to be encouraging people, and I need to be getting into the place where I can disciple others as well. What if you got into a, a prayer group, a group of three, with one person who was kind of a mentor to the other two, where you could share, and you could pray, and you could read scripture together and, and talk about what was going on in your lives. God uses people in the discipleship process. He uses you in the discipleship process. Now, last thing, all right? This is a process. One verse, last verse. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Grow. Does this seem you're already there? He says to grow. All through the scriptures we see that this discipleship process, this becoming like Jesus, is a process and it requires perseverance. It requires perseverance. Uh, the very first year we, we had a house with a pool, I paid somebody $200 to come open it, because, to close it and to open it, because I had no idea. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't need this. But and I kind of watched them. And then the next year, I, I really got down there with them and really paid attention to what they were doing. And then the third year, I was kind of getting the hang of it, so I got a YouTube video, and we did it ourselves. And then the fourth year, I started figuring out how to buy uh, bleach and baking soda from Walmart instead of buying stuff from the pool store and save a lot of money and started doing everything about the pool ourselves. And that was a process. 
Let's start out knowing how to do that. I read about it. I learned about it. I watched other people. They taught me. And we grew in our ability to open and close the pool every year. Now, there were setbacks. There was the year where we were about to go on vacation. There was a leak by the pump. And I didn't have time. I didn't want to wait another day to get the part to fix the pump. And so I said, I will just turn the whole thing off and it will be fine when we get back. And it was 103 every day of the week we were gone. And we came back at our swimming pool. I'm not exaggerating a bit. It was completely black. It was completely black. And I thought I filled it. Um, and so I went and, bought a, I went and bought a bag of shock. And I, just like one of the tiny ones. And I threw it in there just to see what happened. And, and no joke, it like made this little yellow mushroom cloud. And then it sucked back up completely. And it was $130 of chemicals later, we had blue water again. So, so this is, and hopefully it'll never happen again. But, but what I'm saying is, is, this has been a process where we're growing in our ability to do this. But there have been like giant screw-ups along the way. Discipleship is like that. It's a process. You are going to grow in grace, but there may be giant screw-ups along the way. All right? And Jesus works in and through all of that. Uh, discipleship takes perseverance. You'll have setbacks. The people you're discipling will have setbacks. You have to be ready for all that. It takes perseverance. The scripture tells us, persevere, grow, fight the good fight. Work out what God is working into you. Discipline yourself for godliness. So proclamation, how are disciples made? God makes disciples through us, through proclamation and prayer and people and perseverance. Those are the ingredients that God uses. Isn't that amazing? That God, that God would use me. That, that God would use you to disciple others, to make disciples. Isn't it amazing that God would use us to help people see the world the way it's supposed to be seen? That, that God would use us to help people see that, yes, this is a world of great brokenness, but there are also, there's also great hope and joy, and love, and beauty. And, and we get to help people see that. To see the world as God intends the world to be seen. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of these things on the news, but there's a company in California that's evidently made these sunglasses, and I, I hope this isn't fake news, uh, but, but they've, they've made these sunglasses that help people who are colorblind actually see the world in color and if you see the, they've, I've seen two little boys who have been, and they put the glasses on and they're, they're stunned at first and then they're laughing and then, then they just start crying they're just, they just can't believe what they are seeing we, we have a pair of glasses in the gospel that we get to give to people to help them see the world the way it's supposed to be seen that's discipleship. And we're growing in our own ability to see the world the way it ought to be seen. Well, we've got that message. What are you, what are you going to do with it? Will you proclaim it? Will you tell people the good news? Will you pray that, that God would open other people's hearts? That He would soften our own heart where it's hard? Will you persevere uh, in your efforts to grow yourself and to see others grow also. Let me pray for us.
Father, we are amazed that you would that you would that you would love us and that you would rescue us from our sin and that you would grow us and that you would shape us in the Christ likeness. And then we're amazed that as messed up as we are, that you would deem to use us in the discipleship of others. Uh, so, Father, give us confidence, not so much in ourselves, but confidence in you, that you really are able to work through us. Uh, and as we believe that, help us to persevere and to proclaim and to pray. We do it all in Jesus' name. Amen.